Jazz and Chargers Unleashed, Sebastian Joseph, they know the vibes, we outside. You're listening to the Chargers Unleashed Podcast with your host, Dan Wolkenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by Bet Online, Charger Bowl Family, Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia, and Liquid Death. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein. <laughs> you know, the pace the pacemaker broke. The, oh. the iron lung was went out of commission. I mean... The stress level literally went from zero to a hundred. You can't make this shit up <laughs> in about 0.2 seconds at the climax of this Chargers Browns game. And I and after the game was over, when the when the dust had all settled, the Chargers had ultimately ended up coming away with a very fortunate victory. Literally, the line that came to mind, and you know me for being a big movie buff, is if anybody who knows who Joe Morton is. Joe Morton has played in Speed with Keanu Reeves. He was um, uh, in Terminator 2 as part of the Cyberdyne systems. That was the doc who let them all in to go get it. He also more recently was in the Justice League as the father of Cyborg. There was a line that Joe Morton delivers in Speed that I think encapsulates what the end of that game was. He says, crazy not stupid. And man, did Brandon Staley ride that fine line of crazy and stupid and aggressive and reckless. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I can't help but laugh because there are so many emotions we're going to get into on this episode. Uh, guys and gals, welcome to Charge Unleashed. Jake, um, you didn't ask how I was doing, but like, I think both of us, honestly, are in I didn't need to. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need to, my friend. <laughs> I think both of us are kind of in the same boat where we just had to breathe like a huge sigh of relief. And I, I genuinely think lots of Chargers fans were slash maybe still are in their feelings about what happened on Sunday versus the Browns. Again, Chargers win. Period. 30 to 28. That, sh- that should be what we're talking about today. There's, we'll get plenty of, there's plenty of good things that we should be talking about today. But, unfortunately, <laughs> there are other things, which we're going to get into. So, obviously, we're going to get into the fourth and Staley decisions at the end of the game. We're going to get into some of the highlights, lowlights, you know, kind of key takeaways, game balls, if you will. Also, of course, Jake, Chargers Unleashed hotline, very hot off the clip. For folks who have not yet done so, you can always text Unleashed to 31032. Give us your feedback there. Or 323-374-5651. Give us a call, leave a voicemail on the Chargers Unleashed hotline, and you will be a part of the show. And we'll have Jake listen to him live for the first time. Again, these voicemails, Jake has not heard any of them yet. So we'll get into those today. We'll have some fun. Uh, Jake, (sighs) Um, liquid death. I think many folks watching this game at about the minute and 30 second mark. Just felt like death. Felt like death and needed lots like of li- needed lots of liquids. Part probably needed them all alcoholic to get through 
that feeling for the next five minutes of real time. Uh, Jake, talk to us about our friends over at Liquid Death. Yeah, we were this close with replacing Liquid Death with actual booze. That's what we were. We, we were I thought you meant actual death. Well, I mean, that I didn't want to go that far with it, but actual booze, let's just say that much. But as Dan mentioned, our friends over at Liquid Death, if you have your local Albertsons, your Ralphs, your 7-Elevens, your Kroger's, wherever you're located, if you happen to go into the energy drink, the water section, and you see what may look like a couple of tall boys, don't let your uh, eyes deceive you because it's not. It's the new sparkling water that is out there in three different flavors and regular mango and lime. Liquid Death right now is bringing death to the thirst competition as far as killing thirst out there goes. Uh, they're also a great contributor as far as the recycling of plastic. So great contributions that they make with every purchase that comes in through their company. Go get yourself some liquid death today. Get yourself refreshed. Get yourself uh, hydrated. Uh, go on over to liquiddeath.com slash LAFB and go get yourself, like I said, hydrated and refreshed. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so, Jake, let's just go right into it. Uh, Chargers win 30-28. to They beat the Browns. Uh, Chargers start off a little slow. They jump out to a 14-3 to deficit real quick. Didn't have to wait for that big run play that we were hoping that we were going to avoid. That happened right off the bat in the first. Thank you, Nick Chubb. 41-yard run within the first seemingly like five seconds of that game. You saw missed tackles from Drew, from Derwin James, which wasn't good. You saw Lohi Gilman kind of have a bad angle there, uh, which kind of funny, poetic, as we'll get into this later. Um, you saw Njoku kind of go off. Jacoby Brissett being super efficient and Chargers without even blinking, 14-3, backs against the wall. And the Chargers go out, Jake, and this is it. this is kind of crucial I think when there was a lot of adversity going into it, they went right down the field, two touchdown drives to go up 17-14. Chargers are feeling pretty good. Then I believe that I believe the Browns then come back, make it 21. Sorry, 17-14. The Browns come back, make it 21-17. Um, and then seemingly all hell breaks loose. And it becomes essentially kind of a mirror image of what this Browns game was last year Jeez. at SoFi. I think it was 48 to 40 two or something. I forget what it was. Um, but Jake, I mean, before we get to the fourth down decisions, which we saw a few of them that the Chargers did not get, Chargers defense also came up big and stopped the Browns on a few fourth downs and third downs, which again, we'll get into. Um, Chargers, very end of the game, minute and a half left. Chargers are on the forefront of winning this game. They get a first down with about five minutes left after an Alohi Gilman interception in the red zone to keep the Chargers hopes alive. Mike Williams has been balling out all day. Chargers get a first down, almost able to milk the clock out. They have a minute and 30 ish left fourth down and one and a half Chargers elect to go for it from their own 45 yard line and pause <laughs> at this, at this moment, all of us, I think, are thinking, whoa. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. When that ball is snapped, if you listen really closely around the country, you could just hear Chargers fans every going everywhere going, What? <laughs> and we have another coach. We have Brandon Staley as the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, and we collectively, majority of us, are surprised that he goes for it in that situation. You could easily punt it, 
give them 50, 60 yards they have to go with no timeouts to be able to kick the field goal. Instead, you give them the opportunity, if you don't succeed on fourth down, to basically go one first down and then kick a field goal to beat you by one. And Chargers go out. They see the defensive matchup. They call timeout. Then they go out and do it again. And you think they're going to try to drop off sides. Nope. Justin Herbert snaps the ball. Eyes Mike Williams, who had the right matchup on Martin Emerson because Denzel Ward was not in the game at that point. And you can say it's a questionable call. No call, if you will. But long story short, the Chargers do not convert. Justin Herbert's pass goes incomplete to Mike Williams. And Jake, the Browns have the ball with a minute and a half or minute 12, whatever it was, at R45, at the Chargers 45, needing to get one first down before they're in field range. They do get the first down. And then, Jake, the Chargers gods, the Cleveland Browns clearly did not want to lose this, or did not want to win this game as much as the Chargers did. They both tried losing, but the Cleveland Browns tried a little bit harder. York's kick goes wide right, 54-yard attempt. Chargers win. Huge sigh of relief, but... Duh. Uh, <laughs> Let's just start this conversation off, Jake, with a voicemail that we got from Chargers Unleashed Hotline. So there was a bunch of people excited. There's a bunch of people upset. I think you saw kind of an uproar, both locally and nationally, from Chargers fans and just everybody that watched the game. In that decision, um, lots of people irate, to say the least. Um, but there were people on both sides. So let's hear what we have to – I don't know what their name was. I didn't leave a name, but let's hear what our first caller has to say. Yo, what is everybody complaining about? A win is a win. I just seen an ugly win, but a win is a win. We beat the Browns. Everybody wants fourth and Staley. He gave us fourth and Staley, and we won. We didn't get the – the fourth down, or the first down, but we still won. Things ain't perfect. We would have lost that game if the, if it was on the other foot, but we won. Stop it. We're three and two. Monday night. Let's go. Come on, both up. I would say, Jake, before I give you your, your floor here, I would say that was probably one of the most rational, one of the most... Um, <laughs> responsible, positive feedback that you got from Chargers fans, or at least that you saw on social media in general. The floor is yours. See, that right there is an attitude that we should that we should have had coming into this show, Dan. Because really, we should have started off this show talking about, welcome back to the Chargers run game. How about a career day for Austin Eckler? Look at the offensive line, what they were doing in terms of opening up holes. Justin Herbert did not need to play hero ball in this game. Very pedestrian numbers from him because the run game just took everything over. And we're talking about going up against the best one-two punch in the league as far as running backs goes against the Cleveland Browns. And you outrushed them. You outrushed them. And that should be what we're leading off this story with. But the unfortunate part, And rightfully so, the Brandon Staley fourth down situation overshadows all of that. It really does just to kick off this discussion. Could you imagine if they didn't win? Which like was the real possibility and should have happened. But imagine imagine what would be happening right now if if that kick went in. It was there. It was there. (laughs) It was there to take. It was there to take. I get it. It's Brandon Staley. 
And as Daniel Popper has noted in his articles, as Austin Eckler said in his press conference today, that's Brandon Staley. You know what it is that you're getting. This has been his mentality. And we kind of teased it a little bit, Dan, especially with the uncertainty of whether or not Dustin Hopkins was going to be playing, that we may see a little bit more of the old Brandon Staley, the aggressive Brandon Staley. And sure enough, we did two fourth down scenarios that were in this game. And you didn't end up getting either one of them, unfortunately. But uh, it's, it's weird because we had this dynamic earlier on in the season. There were situations like this where all of a sudden everybody was saying, oh, Staley's being too conservative. Now he's coming back to being aggressive. Look, I get it because those decisions have helped Brandon Staley win games. And those decisions have helped Brandon Staley lose games historically. I get the whole analytics piece, but in this particular scenario, which analytics apparently, I don't know who made these analytics up. I apparently don't analytics and what computer drew this up, but apparently analytics, analytics say that was the right decision. It was wise to go for it. Whether it's analytics, whether it's the fact that Denzel Ward was out of the game, Mike Williams had been killing it for you all afternoon. All of that can be thrown out the window. I don't care. Because this was the one part that was a little bit contradictory to me in his post-game press conference because, of course, he still says that he has confidence in both sides of the ball to go out and do their job. And in that instance, he said there was no way I was going to take my offense off the field in that type of scenario. Look, if it's me and I know the opposing team has no timeouts and it's not Patrick Mahomes back there at quarterback, I will feel much more comfortable being up by two points, if I have to make the opposing team drive 50 yards as opposed to 10 yards just to get into field goal range for a game-winning score. I don't care what analytics you want to throw at me. That was There's that line between aggressiveness and being reckless. And I thought that decision was a little bit more on the reckless side of Brandon Staley's fourth down decisions that he's made. And look, I think that it was, it seemed like an unnecessary risk in my opinion. And it seemed like an accelerated risk. And, and I get it. I know Brandon Staley is always going to be the aggressor. You know, you, you heard him talk about, you know, being on the road, you want to go out and win that game. You want our offense on the field. I trust both sides of the ball, whatever. I, I, I get it. And if the chargers get that first down on fourth down games over. Yes. And it's done. And pro- yes. people are going to be... We're having big, a different conversation. Big ball, Staley. I, I get all that. Yes, I understand that. But even so, 75% of that, because you notice that the Chargers took a timeout when they were up on the line to see what the opposing defense was information on. And they noticed that Mike Williams was... Denzel Ward was not on him. There was a personnel shift in the defense. So they thought, okay, we're going to get this with Mike. The first mistake that I thought, again, Dan, this is why I thought they weren't going to snap it. I thought they were just going to draw him off sides. I think I thought we both thought they were going to punt it, right? Yeah, you went empty formation back there, and there was it was virtually just all lining up to be a pass. That's what your lineup was. So I'm like, okay, well, no, this, this shouldn't be it. I think like you're no just going to try. Yeah, no misdirection here. And then you snap it. Okay, so then that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is that if your goal Wait, was to t- really time out, time out. So it's like, let's just go through this real quick. So phase one, you see them line up in shotgun from or in shotgun formation, empty set. You're like, okay. 
all I, of us, literally all of us, I, I get why you're lining up for it at that point in time, not knowing if you're going to snap it or not. Yeah, cool. Okay, try to get him off sides. Cool. Most okay. people were probably thinking like, okay, you're trying to get him off sides, whatever. Out, whatever. Snap. You, 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 and then it snapped. And you're like, Justin Herbert's got the ball. And you're like, we're actually doing this. Wait, hold on. Okay. <laughs> so he was keyed into Mike Williams that whole way. We all saw it. The whole way we knew or they knew that that was the play that was being drawn. And up. for good reason, Mike Williams balled out all day. He had, what was it, 10 catches, 134 yards? Yeah, like I get it. I get it. I understand the personnel aspects, the matchup. I would not have called that play. And if I, if I was absolutely forced to, I sure as hell wouldn't have called a play with an empty backfield because and I wouldn't have. And, and for as much as we want to crown Justin Herbert, and he is a great quarterback, like this is all not needing to be said, but I wish he didn't throw it to Michael Williams. I like with that read. I know there was a questionable defensive even, PI. Like what? Even if he, even if he did, Dan, as the announcers were even saying it, when Justin Herbert gets out of the pocket, sure. he is deadly. And one thing that I will applaud Joe Lombardi for the past two weeks and what he has done is he was able to infuse a lot more of that into the game. In the Houston game, he did it for, let's just call it three quarters, maybe maybe two and a half quarters, whatever you want to say. But he infused a lot more of that RPO. He got Austin Eckler out in space. He was getting his open shots with his receiver over the middle. In this particular circumstance... You want to throw as much misdirection at the defense as possible for the fact that you're actually going to snap this ball. But you didn't have that. So 75% was the decision to actually go for it. And the other 25% was the play call that you actually drew up to go for it. I'm curious for folks listening, watching. Was there anyone like... like? I think that the thing that's challenging, Jake, is it was controversial for basically everybody. Like, you have your kind of, no matter what, I'm going to agree with Brian Staley till the wheels fall off and he's never wrong and da-da-da-da-da. And, like, people are calling me out for saying, like, I never say anything negative about the Chargers and I'm always positive. And, like, generally, yeah, I'm definitely more positive than most. But, like, when I see something that is, like, I'll call it out. And it's kind of interesting, Jake. I think this is kind of a, a lesson in life. But, like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Brandon Staley, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. People talk about him not being able to, you know, make the right decisions. But then people talk about him being too conservative. So, like, you pick one. Jake is too pessimistic. Then all of a sudden he's optimistic and people are like, oh, he's a homer. Same for me. So, highly recommend just, you know, you do you. Um, but, like, it, it, this one just seemed like it was just, like, he raised the bar with that aggressiveness. And like you said, like teetering on that line between aggressive and reckless. And I had said something on Twitter. Where I said, that was the stupidest decision I've ever seen. And, yeah. you know, hindsight got him, got a few minutes, an hour, day now to sleep on it. Like stupid might've been a little bit over my skis. I probably would say reckless, dangerous, unnecessary. That was the most, unnecessary decision I have ever seen this coaching staff make. That was the most reckless decision I've ever seen. Because the analytics, I guess, whatever, tell you to go for it. So, like, you know, there's a lot of brains in the de- in the decision. But, but you're right. I mean, look, he's he's gone for it 
in worse field position scenarios than this. But the th- but I've seen people talk the, about other scenarios. Right. The, but other, the situation here, down three, not down two. So you can't yes. lose the game with a field goal. If you were up six points in this game, go for it. Sure. I would have totally agreed with the call. Yep. Circumstantial. You're only up two. The opposing team has no timeouts and is literally about 10 yards away from being in field goal range to kick it for the win. Are you not entertained? At, at this point, it's like, I think after witnessing that, I think it has given me a new perspective of like, you know what? Like to hell with it. This is like playing roulette every week. Who knows? We'll see. Like it, it I like the aggression. I, I like the mentality. And you heard folks on both offense and defense talk about like they were approval. You also saw folks not playing, i.e. Keenan Allen, talk about like WTF, what are we doing? So glad he missed that because man, 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 you know, like the people question it. And I'm sure that happened in the locker room. That just was, that would have been the turning point of this entire season. And and honestly, it still could be in a positive way. But the risk of that, not only for that game, for, for the entire season, that would have been the rest of the season, that would have been a storyline of like, do you remember when? Like, oh, yeah. Now, fast forward a week, no one's talking about this. Fast forward two days, no one's talking about it. No one cares about how he won when he get to week 17, week 18. 30, 28 is all that matters. Um, but like, you're right. It, it's it's unfortunate or fortunate, but like there were some good, there was some good stuff that happened in that game. Jake, Jamari Sawyer did pretty good over right. under over under 0.5 sacks would you have taken the over under on cleveland brown sacks against these chargers once i heard that miles garrett and jadavion Clowney were both playing i i figured okay you know quote i am not comfortable anymore this is what jake said to me on the phone jamari <laughs> sawyer you know fantastic game in houston but he'll probably be tested a little bit better today and he was but he, he, he led the, wasn't perfect. Led, led the offensive line and pressures given up with six, but no sacks. One hit. Unreal. For a six-round rookie going up against one of the best pass rushers in the league, <laughs> I'll take that stat line any day of the week for the circumstances. So would, would you have taken the over or under on 0.5? If you I would have, I would have gone over. I would have gone over. Yes. <laughs> and we all would have lost. Uh, our good friends, Actually, technically, statistically, you would have won uh, I, because I, the only point. sack that was taken was when Herbert... Act, yeah, it wasn't even a sack, but statistically, it goes he down as one because it was a negative play and ran out of bounds. <laughs> one yard on, be, one. Knowing my luck, that would be just the type of bet that I would lose on. Like, mm-hmm. no, nobody actually got a sack, but they still got a sack, so I lost all my money. Uh, but our friends over at Bet Online probably made a ton of money if that was a line. Uh, Jake, talk to us about our friends over at Bet Online giving out money. Well, football season is in full effect right now, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. 
and as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so Jake, um, we talked about Jamari Sawyer, talked about Trey Pipkins. In my opinion, we're, we're going to get into kind of like the key takeaways. Like, let's just go top three for each of us. In my eyes, I think it has to start in terms of key takeaways for this game with the performance of those guys and just the offensive line as a whole. And you saw Brandon Staley after the game give a game ball to all of them. Nobody wanted to actually take the ball, which is kind of cute. The offensive line for how much adversity they've gone through not just in this game but the entire season already so far you know trey pipkins is going to start is it storm norton storm norton does bad then rashawn slater goes down then we're all wondering what's going to happen on left side then all of a sudden jamari sawyer comes in which was a surprise to everybody and then jamari sawyer does great and everybody's like oh my god and then second week oh no we're going up against clowning we're going up against gary and, oh no and then they do good again and then trey pipkins goes down with what looked like a horrific injury that looked bad Storm Norton comes back. You're like, oh, shit, here we go again. And then Trey Pipkins comes back like Rocky. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm good. He goes back for a kneel down going into the half. Comes back zero sacks from this entire offensive line, let alone the performance. You outrush the Cleveland Browns, outrush them per attempt. You own the line of scrimmage on the offensive side, although you didn't win on the defense side. But we're talking about offensive line here. Gave up zero sacks for Justin Herbert. Some of that was to help by Justin Herbert. But your offensive line going up against those guys did that. And in my eyes, that to me was the biggest story. Of course, the Brandon Staley stuff. But aside from that, I think the offensive line was a big story for me. What about you? I mean, the it was the running game resurgence for me, Dan. And again, this is all kind of part of the collective same talk when we're talking about the offensive line here. But the Chargers came into this game as the worst rushing team in the league. You saw kind of a glimpse of it returning in the Houston game. And you thought going up against the worst run defense that all of this was going to happen last week. But you came in with this game plan especially maybe even taking a little bit of what Atlanta did to Cleveland the week before with their running game in the second half. But as Trey Pipkins kind of alluded to after the game, we wanted to show that we could run the damn ball. And I did not expect a career game from Austin Eckler, 170 plus yards on the ground, two touchdowns, one on the ground, one through the air in spectacular fashion on both, by the way. And then Dan, I texted it to you. I made you remember when you give Joshua Kelly additional snaps. <laughs> he delivered. And this season, good things are happening when you give Joshua Kelly the ball. Dan, the one run that he made and that the announcers went on to talk about the work that he put in, in the offseason and getting faster, stronger, where he's breaking an- ankle tackles and just carrying dudes on his back. I think it was the run that he had for 16 yards. That was just one of those indicators where just like, this guy's put in the work. Nobody thought that this that he was going to be RB2 before training camp started, and look what he's done for himself. A touchdown run, Dan, that you yourself said that you could have ran in on because it was Gerald Everett, and I it may have, Yeah, just absorbing three guys that cleared out the entire right side for Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly could have 
gotten in that end zone on a damn walker for crying out. We could have moonwalked into that end zone. I mean, you talk about opening up holes. This offensive line, Dan, there was, I cannot remember which Austin Eckler run it was, but there was just a beautiful pull from Lindsley from the center position to clear out to the left side that was just parting the Red Sea for Eckler on some of these. They ran like a resurgence team. Like they came out to make a statement, at least in the run game. Austin Eckler, dude, this, this looked like a different Austin Eckler through the first three or four weeks of the season, uh, Mm -hmm. through the first three weeks. But obviously a lot of that is built upon the offensive line. But as far as his vision goes, start and stop shifting this to the right and the left, and then cutting and exploding up through the holes. This was a statement. And if, and if you're going to speak about anything negatively as it relates to Brandon Staley, obviously I know from the call standpoint, but you got to give props to Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi that not only did they make a statement for the run game, but they stuck with it throughout the entirety of the game when it was working, which traditionally the Chargers coaches don't do. Like I said last week, if they bought a brand new Ferrari, they would break it down because they don't trust the radiator. And in this circumstance, the running game was the big story. It was not Justin Herbert, even though he was efficient, no turnovers, one touchdown. I know statistically not the game that we would expect for him, but you didn't need to have it because the run game was doing the work. Jake, Daniel Popper from The Athletic um, put out a couple statistics uh, or points that I thought was pretty spot on, which I think reflects how dominant and how refreshing this running game was for the Chargers. Um the Chargers entered week five, so through four games, they just had three, three explosive runs, which is a run over 12 yards. In four games, they've only had three. They had seven in this Browns game. Unbelievable. And seven. we were talking about last week coming into this game, the Cleveland Browns had had 25 explosive plays. They entered this game, Jake, with 17 runs for first downs through four games. 17 through four for, through four games. They had nine in this game alone. Again, from Daniel Popper, the athletic. Definitely go subscribe. Highly recommend. This was the most um, imposing run performance that I have seen from a Chargers game. Definitely in the Brandon Staley era. Maybe since the LT days. Is it, is, it, is it a stretch to say that as much as we committed to the run, obviously nobody committed to the run more than Marty Schottenheimer and, and the old school Ladanian Tomlinson Chargers, but I don't remember. I mean, I, I think that they had referenced it. There was a game that the Chargers rushed for more. I think it was against the Broncos that they had mentioned it in 2020. 34 but, rushes today or on Sunday, 29 if we're just including the running backs slash fullbacks. Right. 29 for roughly 225 yards. I I think it's I think it feels that way Dan just considering what your what your running offense was coming into this game. Statistically it wasn't good. Yeah, how it started, and, how it's going. Yeah. And then you always figure it's just like okay, if we're going to win this game, it's going to be on the back of number 10. And so to the fact that it just came out of nowhere to be that impressive when you're going up against one of the best running offenses in the league to basically beat them at their own game when you needed it, when you needed it, that was impressive. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about offensive line. We talked about the running game specifically. Um, This isn't necessarily a top one, but sidebar. Imagine 
like finding out that you're going to be kicking for a team like on Thursday and then three days later, go out and kick field goals. Taylor Bertolette, I believe is how you pronounce his name. No one knew who he was. He was perfect during practice because Dustin Hopkins wasn't able to go. Goes out perfect during the game. All field goals, all extra points. <laughs> like, whew, thank God. Um, Jake, I think you got to have a discussion around. I mean, we talked a little bit about this. The Chargers run defense. And I, I don't necessarily know. Like I'm kind of I'm kind of conflicted here because one you're going up against the best rushing team in the NFL and like the chances of the Chargers specifically stopping them like it's pretty much not happening. But for how quickly they got the the, the big chunk play, which to their credit, oh, yeah. to, to their credit, that was the only one they gave up that big. So they were able to get off the fifty yard Schneid. <laughs> consecutive weeks, but it was just disheartening to see it happen that fast and to see how it happened when in brain city talked about it, like they have more guys there in the box than the offense has blockers. This shouldn't happen. Aside from that, you take out that 41 yard run. Like the chargers didn't do too bad. Again, relatively we're looking at this team. Like they would have had 170 yards on 30 carries. It's still bad, but yes, I get. But I get your. You're point. going up against this team, like that. Like that would be a win in my eyes. Going up against the Browns, if you can hold them to that, like I'll, I'll take that. But it's the easy ones that is. You you and I were texting, and if you were looking at the over under of f bombs, you would have gotten the over for Jake. I always get the over if. Somebody should be betting on me. Whatever line you want to put, it's going to go over. I guarantee We got to get bet online on line two. Um, it's just, you, you had texted this to me, but like, you know, three day, one game, fine. Two games, okay, kind of concerning. Three games, yikes. Four games, that's a trend. It has now gone from not being a trend anymore to just being straight fact when you give up. Four consecutive games, you give up plays of 40 yards or more. And they're all, on the gr- all, they're all on the ground. So I don't know what... I mean, obviously, something has to be done to shore up this run game in one form or fashion or another, whether it's your, your personnel, your formations, whatever the hell it is you're doing. How about just fundamental tackling? Let's get back to that. Because that's been the problem if we're going to go back to what's the similar aspects of all of these big plays that have run off against this defense. Mm-hmm. So you need to tighten up the screws a little bit as it relates to the run game for sure needs to get better. Damn. The other big thing for me, you mentioned those first two drives. Jacoby Brissett looked like he was getting everything that he wanted. And even late in, into the game, there were drives where the Browns kind of went away from the run game, but it didn't matter because Jacoby Brissett, Donovan Peoples Jones, Amari Cooper, David Njoku didn't matter. He was able to just buy his time and fire off at any receiver that he wanted to. It looked like that. Chargers the had lack, no sacks. The lack of pressure mm-hmm. from your defensive line and your edge rushers. The one time that you got it, or you thought you had it, another Houdini act was done against this team. And Jacoby Brissett gets out of it and is able to scramble for a first down. I'm watching him scramble. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You can't allow this to happen. You can't allow it. 
Yes, you cannot allow that. So, all things considered, your red zone offense, Dan, is another thing to be highlighted because when it came down to it, the Cleveland Browns clamped down and avoided the Chargers. What was it three times? I was say, from getting light, into the end low lighted, not high. Yes, yeah, it's definitely isn't. It's definitely isn't a <laughs> highlight for sure. But you get down there the way that you did, especially on the seventy-one yard rush that Austin Eckler did to to get the spark back going to get this team back into it and you come away with three to not after get a run a like that, on that yes that was disappointing and then the other two times that you had to settle for a field goal it's like you know you're gonna need team the way that they are moving up and down the field on your defense against you the cleveland browns missed two field goal opportunities which is essentially took six points off the off the board for them but make no mistake about, make no mistake about it no, Good things happened in this game, and hopefully that will be continued. Bad things happened in this game that could be corrected. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and the Chargers were extremely fortunate to come out with a W in this game. One opposite of that was the bogus roughing the passer penalty mm-hmm. on Sebastian Joseph Day. Chargers stopped them. It would be a field goal. Bogus roughing the passer. Literally, I think he... This there was, was a lot of bogus roughing the passers. This was an Oscar-worthy reaction from Jacoby Brissett. They get a first down. I think they score like on the next play uh, on a rushing. So that's literally four free points that the refs gave him. They gave the, the Browns. Uh, Jake, I, I, I think I think one of the key takeaways, and we're kind of wrapping up here. I think one of the key takeaways that I do want us to kind of just recognize is. I know everybody wants to harp on like the fourth and Staley decision, but like there were a lot of decisions even leading up to that game that folks were kind of questioning. You know, there was the, you know, Braden Fajoko and there's the, you know, Christian Covington and Jerry Tillery stuff. There's the, all of a sudden Alohi Gilman is now starting over in Azir Adderley. There's the kicker issue. There's Keenan Allen not playing. There's a lot of decisions that, Staley kind of took on the chin or puffed out his chest with. And for as much flack as we want to give him for as reckless as some of it may have felt hindsight, the team won. Alohi Gilman had a, had an interception at a very important time. Christian Covington blew up a fourth down attempt by the Browns. I mean, he's been kind of right. If you look at if you look at the results, he's been kind of right. So I just want to point that out that like I think there's a bigger picture here. Um, again, Jake, we have one more Chargers Unleashed voicemail from the hotline. Again, you can call 323-374-5651. Have your voicemail listened to and reacted to by the one Jake Hefner live on the show. Let's hear what we have from our next caller, Jake. Uh, ready? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jake. My name is Ethel. I called last week. I am so happy to hear my name to be mentioned on the show. I'm so excited about tomorrow. But I just wanted to talk about the decision that Coach Staley going forward on Fort Town. 
I understand everybody want to crucify my coach. But as a Chargers fan, I have seen this team cost us so many games with a special team. Nobody's talking about potentially a black punch, which could easily happen. I like that call. I have taken out defense, and they forced them to kick the 54-yard field goal, and they didn't make it. We got fortunate, but I love that decision. I'm happy. I love our coach. Give me your thoughts tomorrow. What you think about that decision? I like it. I'm, I'm all for it. But you let me know if you're going to crucify my coach or not. Thank you very much. Jake, so he plays for the Chargers. It's his coach. Yeah, it's his coach. Yeah, his coach. <laughs> Don't I apologize. Yeah, coach. I, did, I did not get his name on that I recording. I think it was Estelle, I believe. Okay. So am I going to crucify your coach if I haven't done enough already? You know, let me do a, a little bit more one more time. Yes, look, look, I'll just simply say this. If it was me, there's no way in hell I'm making that call. Brandon Staley obviously is a, is a different breed, and I'm glad that he brought up, you know, past coaching regimes because we've all seen it. This Chargers fan base has been in an uproar over the Anthony Lynn days, the Mike McCoy days, the too conservative Anthony Lynn, who in 2020 had plenty of game management problems when it came to certain decisions that he made. Mike McCoy was one of the least aggressive head coaches that I can remember on any team. (laughs) And we all know what happened with Norv Turner. North Turner basically inherited a good team from the Marty Schottenheimer era, took, took him to a couple playoff runs, but ultimately was not the guy for that job. And we've had to endure through all that. So, yes, Brandon Staley is of the new age. Now, does that mean that it's the right thing to do? Absolutely not. No way. Zero. <laughs> I can't stand by that decision. Is he still the head coach for this team? Do I think that he does more good than bad for this team? Yes. In that particular scenario, there is no way that I am making that call. And you've seen it talked about through Twitter, especially through the media today in the aftermath. I would have more confidence in my team to stop an opposing offense with them having to go 50 yards than opposed to 10 being up only two points and analytics can just get out of here with all that. (laughs) Look, you can support this team and not agree with everything and be critical. Like those two things can happen. Um, Again, I love Brandon Staley. I love his mentality. I think he's a great person on and off the field. I think he's incredibly intelligent and I think he has the kind of the pulse of this locker room. And I think the team has bought into what he's wanting to do in the aggression and kind of the, the, the gumption, if you will, to just like, you know what? F it. We're going to go do this. But like, there's a point where you said like, you're riding that line. And if you get it like, cool, like you're, you know, now this like trailblazer and everyone's looking at you like, man, he's got the biggest balls in the world. But like, is it necessary? I know it's aggressive, but is it necessary? No. And the risk in that, in in my eyes at that time, 
was not worth the reward. I know if you get it, you win. But if you don't, like, I know they won. I know they won. But like, if you don't, nine times out of 10, you lose. Yeah. Whereas if you don't, and you, whereas if you just punt it, you're still up to the defense is able to try to stop them for 50 yards and then they got to kick it. Yes. So that decision more times than not will come back to bite you than it will to benefit you. And the chargers just dodged a huge one. But look, they, they put the ball in their best players hands. I get the mentality. I like the aggression. I like Justin Herbert having the ball. You mentioned it before. Like I wish the play call a little bit different if they were going to do it. I wish he maybe had a couple more reads if he wasn't going to actually throw it. But, like, look, at the end of the day, hindsight's twenty twenty. Chargers win. We're all feeling good. Um, Jake, we talked about kind of all of the intricacies, you will, of kind of the decision. We've talked about, you know, the feelings. Big game coming up Monday night against the Denver Broncos. We're going to be getting into all kinds of stuff there. You may have a special guest or two as we get into that discussion. Jake, any more feelings you want to discuss or portray before we head out of here. Uh, these are live from Fernando Ramirez right now because Brandon Staley is giving his uh, press conference as we speak. So a couple of things as of note that we'll probably be talking about later on this week. Number one, he says that Keenan Allen's hamstring injury making good progress. He added that it's trending positive. So we may see a return in number 13 next Monday. Let's all keep our fingers crossed for that. Second one, Dan, that I thought was actually very interesting because this was one of the things that was talked about before the kickoff was that Alohi Gilman was starting at free safety and Nasir Adderley was being relegated to the third safety spot. So he was asked about that. And basically, Coach Brandon Staley on the competition between Nasir Adderley and Alohi Gilman, quote, it's going to be week to week. We are going to let those guys compete. So this doesn't sound like it's just going to be a one-off. So... We'll see what we'll see what that brings. Agree or disagree? I'm sure it's something that we'll definitely cover as this week goes on. Yes. Okay. Uh, for Jake Hefner in his backwards hat, you can find him at Jake T Hefner, which looks very good, by the way. Uh, myself, you can find at Dan W Sports. Guys, gals, look. At the end of the day, the Chargers won. They are three and two, one game back currently for the AFC West. You got the Raiders and the Chiefs playing today. For all we know, the Chargers might wake up in the morning and they might be tied for first place in the AFC West. Who knows? Uh, do not apologize for your team winning games like this because you've seen them lose dozens of them like this. So be excited, be happy, be fortunate, be grateful, and look forward to the Week 6 matchup versus the Denver Broncos and the Let's Ride Russell Wilson's Monday night primetime. For Jake Hafner, Dan Wilkinson, Chargers Unleashed, LAFB. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.